Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome, welcome, live in Washington, D.C. with my friend, my brother, who is my Charm City buddy. And so excited to finally have my friend on, Bernie Flowers. So, Bernie, good morning. How are you doing? Hey, Ken. How you doing, Let me just uh, put this off real quick. And there we go. There we go. We, ha- we have all kinds of things happening here. You know why? We have live. We're doing Facebook Live. Cool. So we got Facebook Live. We got recording. I mean, this thing is going gangbusters here. So, Bernie, we're going to go over sponsors real quick, and then we're going to cut into how we met, because that's kind of a cool story of how networking can actually change someone's life. So our sponsors are, of course, the Keep Smiling Movement. Got to have my Keep Smiling card handy. Of course, we have it translated into several languages. Uh, we'll, we'll go with uh, Dutch today. How about that? There's Dutch. And of course, we have in Jamaican, Keep Smiling Mon, and uh, Australian, Keep Smiling Mate. So if you'd like to get these cards, you can reach out to us. These cards make your day, and they also make other people's day. The other one is our Dose of Hope product, which happens to include our guest story, Bernie Flowers. And then we have the lovely Perfect Publishing and the Umbrella Syndicate, who are the media companies and publishing companies. And then Bernie, I think we should also do Amplifluence, which is in the back of your book, which takes your book around the United States and soon around the world. So how are you doing? Man, I couldn't be better. You know, I challenge that. Really? I challenge it. You know, I'm not friendly on this show. I mean, you're used to a friendly Ken. I'm not friendly when it comes to someone saying it couldn't be better. If Charm City was considered the number one place to be where people hugged, smiled, and felt safe, would that make you feel better right now? Actually, it would. We need to work on that. <laughs> well, you can scoot on up. I know I'm a little intimidating because Dr. Smiley can be a little intimidated with a smile. But, you know, you have such a great smile. And I remember the first event we met at Team Network, and it was uh, not ne- necessarily in our backyard. It was in Eldersburg, if I recall, at Stratosphere. And right. you were running for or you were sharing your message of your desire to run for a political office, if I recall. Yeah, I was actually running for Congress in, um, in the 2nd District of Maryland and um, just trying to be positive. And for whatever reason, we just hit it off. Yes. And um, you took some pictures. Next thing you know, we're talking about saving some more. Awesome. Well, you can, uh, I think your volume may be a little shaky there. So if you just bring it up a little bit uh, on your volume, that'd be great. Uh, I want to make sure everyone knows who you are and why you're picked. Do you happen to have your book handy? I do. If you look behind you, that little red thing. Yes. Um, I got that from Al Granger, who is our mutual friend. And uh, it shows my book and it's got a And QR don't cover your name. There you go. There you go. And, and put it all the way into the camera. Put it all the way in the camera. Let, let people see that. But. Uh, yeah, bring it back just a smidge. There we go. Perfect. There so you go. you've been selling these books like hotcakes. Actually, yes. I'm quite surprised that with your help. You know, you've been really, 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 I'm a, I'm a rookie author here. I don't know. This time last year, matter of fact, uh, I celebrated 
on the 18th of January, my anniversary of leaving the federal government. So yep. I knew nothing about being an author, about being a candidate. It was all fly by wire. And uh, luckily, I ran into you and you've been able to help me. And um, so my name's out there. People are buying the books. I've got some really nice uh, testimonials and things on Amazon. And I'm learning new stuff every day. And you're helping me to, to avoid mistakes. We have time for mistakes. Well, the less mistakes we make, the, the faster we're happy with what we get as a result. So, so you're, a, you're really a fascinating person. And I've been looking forward to this show. And we don't put anyone in the show until they've done their dose of hope. And they've also have something beyond the dose of hope that's going to impact the world. And your book is certainly doing that. And I want to commend you because there are people that author a book and wait for the world to react to it. And there are people that actually have a lot of relationships and those relationships can't wait to support them. So um, as you know, this is a partnership. I'm promoting your book to people that don't know you and you're promoting your book to people that do know you and are extending that to people that need to know you. Right. So in the first part of the show, since uh, people are going to obviously want to read this and your chapter, later let's give them a little teaser so let's start off with where you were born and uh, what your childhood was like well i'm a child of the 60s and 70s born in 1965 that makes me 57. Uh, i was born in uh, lumberton north carolina the county seat of robinson county north carolina the absolute poorest county in the state of the city i mean the state of north carolina i'm from red springs and um you know, uh, it was your typical Southern um, background. We were poor, but we didn't know it. And um, America was a lot different back in those days. And um, I had a relatively happy childhood. Um, went to a small town high school. Everything was small town this. And I just wanted to see the world. So um, I went to the local university, uh, University of North Carolina at Pembroke. It was Pembroke State in those days. And I uh, went to the United States Air Force, got a commission and stayed. All right. 20. Hey, hey we, have, we have 55 minutes together. There's no need to get all the way up to age 57 in the next minute and a half. So I want right. to take a second. And it's not just because of the 55 minutes. It's that you're leaving out a, little, a lot of good stuff. You know, our listeners listen to Amplified because it's amplifying the life of a leader that inspires and creates community. So I just want to say you're leaving all these tidbits out of who you are. You're saying just some facts. So let's go back and who you are. Um, first of all, first question, um, I was an army brat. Your parents, what did they do? Uh, my dad worked at a mill for 35 years. It was, you know, textiles and that sort of thing. Um, our side hustle was we had land and we farmed it. So my weekends and evenings were spent you know, in a tobacco field or a corn patch or whatever, raising hogs, that sort of stuff. So I had a bit of a rural agricultural background. So we were so busy you, all the time. So you learned the, the meaning of hard work. Oh, yeah. There was no choice. <laughs> well, you know, the makeup of who you are and your success and who you are, I think it always speaks to what your childhood was like, because you either didn't like your childhood and you became who you want to be, or you loved your childhood. And it, and it caused you to become who you are. So it's kind of interesting. A defining moment is a defining moment. It, it, it gets you on the right course. And uh, what did your dad and mom teach you? What did, what did you learn from them that caused you to be who you are today? Show up every day. My dad was very, very consistent. He was a mild-mannered kind of guy. 
and just go to work, do what's required of you and take care of the people around you. And uh, my mother, on the other hand, was the disciplinarian in the family. Um, she expected a lot of me, my brother and my sister. Uh, my, speaking of the Army, uh, my brother retired a colonel in the Army and um, I would have gone in the Army, but it wasn't big enough for both of them. I went for it. And um, my sister, uh, she worked 30 years in the post office and uh, her husband just passed away last year. I'm very sad. I really loved him. But, uh, you know, we're just all American folks. I mean, uh, just hardworking, church going, regular people. And my deal was and with my brother, we wanted to see the world and uh, we wanted to do it on Uncle Sam's dime. And we did so. Did you say your dad was a smile mannered man? Mild mannered. Mild mannered. You know, I, sometimes you hear mild and you hear smiled. A smiled yeah. mannered. <laughs> I, I'm going to use that. You you indirectly inspired me to come up with a new a new adage. A smile mannered man instead of a mild mild mannered man. I like that. Thank you for thank you for that gift. Oh, you're welcome, bro. So, uh, your mom and dad still alive? No, they passed away both 30 years ago. Okay, sorry about that. All right, that's okay. We're all going to meet up one day. Yes, we are. So your brother and sister, you're close to them? Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, my brother lives in Manassas and uh, my sister is in uh, Greensboro, Kernersville, outside of North, outside of Greensboro, North Carolina. And so well, uh, we see each other relatively often. Well, I don't know if I know you're very busy with podcasts and doing shows since you had your book come out. And I'm very proud of you for that, by the way. I mean, Thank that you. is awesome. Your schedule is really full. And you know, I'm going to say one thing about that, and then I want you to give a shout out to your brother and sister, because I think that makes this show unique in that we give gratitude to the people by name that we love and make a difference to. And you can also, when we get to your kids, you can do the same thing for your wife and your kids. But here we go. You know, I had an epiphany about why is Perfect Publishing so different than other publishing houses. And we came up with this number that is almost unbelievable. But I think you'll agree with this number because you've kind of been in the, you've been boots on the ground. And so when you do a book, it takes a certain amount of time. And when you have the book finished, you can spend as little or as much time as you want letting the world know about that book. And we have found that if you spend 1% on your book, and it doesn't matter if that's 100 hours, it doesn't matter if it's 30 hours, it doesn't matter if it's 10 hours, whatever hours you put in, it's 1%. You put 99% more into letting the world know about the book. And we found that that is right. the secret. And yeah. you know, you know, Bernie, this is the beginning still. I mean, it's, it's not the end with your book coming on the air with us and you getting the book about a month or two ago. It's, this yeah. is the beginning. We have so much to do. In fact, I'm, I'm so inspired by you because you say and you declare that you as a leader are stepping out of what you were doing in life to solve a problem. And that problem is that the city of Baltimore is rated way too high as a hostile city, as a city that's not going to embrace you, make you feel safe. In fact, the opposite, it is unfortunately winning at times at the number one uh, city in the United States for homicides. Oh yeah. So, so you know, 337 homicides last year, and it's been that way for the past 15 years. Well, we're going to get to that. We're yeah. going to get to that, sir. And, and I just want to plant that seed for our audience that this is why I chose this man as a friend, as a person I would represent as a publisher, and why he's on the show today. 
So did you want to give a shout out to your brother and sister and say hi? Of course. Uh, my sister, Linda McClooney's in Kernersville, North Carolina. And my brother, Ken Flowers, uh, retired Army colonel, is in Manassas, Virginia. You know, and, just uh, hearing that his name is Ken, you know I'm getting all giggly over here. Oh, stop. <laughs> you know, you have to, if I had known that his bro- your brother's name was Ken, I would have had my Ken book handy. You know, I have a book called Keep Smiling, Ken, Ken Connections Happen. You know that. I didn't I, know your brother's I, name was Ken. Well, you know, one day you'll meet him. I hope so. I mean, he's got to be he's a great guy. He's like you. Well, he's not as good looking as me, but he's all right. <laughs> well, good. The good news is I only care that his name is Kenny. He's doing good things in the world. I'm not really concerned about how good looking he is. You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, why don't we give a little teaser about, uh, about this, this book and why you did it. Let's give a little teaser here. Cause we just mentioned the city of Baltimore, and then I was. And oh, by the way, we met forty minutes from our houses, and we find out we live a mile apart. Yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it yeah. is. So, you know, whole my my thing is, you know, I hate racism, and racism can go either way, and it seems to me that the civil rights movement of the '60s has been taken over by people who don't mean what I mean about when I say racism, having grown up in the South. Mm-hmm. It's been conflated. It's been overcome. They've taken it into a direction that should not be and, and used in a way that I just don't think is right. And so as a politician, and that's an ugly word, but I'm trying to do some good in this world. You know what, and- Bernie? I got to cut in. I got to say something. There are two words that are bad words that we use that they shouldn't be bad words. One is a salesman or a salesperson. And then the other one is politician. If you look at what those words really should mean and what they could mean and what they were supposed to mean, a salesperson is a person that creates a solution for a problem and brings value to the person purchasing that solution and creates a relationship they can trust from then on. That's a salesperson. A politician is a person that is a leader and cares about the community and brings the community together because of hope and because of solutions and because of opportunity. That's a nice way of saying things. Yeah, and you can, you can add to it. I'm just saying that a politician should not be a bad word. A politician should be someone that you are voting in, and that's why I love your book. By the way, you know Perfect Publishing doesn't do a lot of political stuff, but your message- I think I'm your only, I think I'm your only politician. Yes, because we don't look at you as a politician. We look at you as a leader that's solving problems. And we're going to be happy to represent politicians that are doing exactly what you're doing. Well, thank you. Well, the thing is that, again, I've got 34 years behind the fence and places right around here and, um, you know, 20 years in the Air Force. And I got a unique perspective. Uh, My time in the military, um, the military is a meritocracy. You were a military officer. You understand. Skin color doesn't matter. The issue is, can you do your job and do you care about people? And are you willing to sacrifice yourself if necessary? And obviously, you know, I feel that way. And I look around in Baltimore, 20 minutes away from me. I live in outside Columbia, Maryland. And uh, but in Baltimore, they're living in a war zone mm-hmm. and Americans shouldn't have to live that way. And um, I think what I told you when I first met you seven, six, eight, ten 10 months ago, whenever it was, 
And I think it resonated with you. And you realized that I was sincere about what I was saying. I could care less about getting elected. And I care more about little old ladies being able to walk outside their door and not be accosted in Baltimore. I've seen some ugly things there. I spent some time there. I put a lot of those things into the book and I want people to live better. And um, in this land of opportunity that we have here in America, there should be a reason for anybody to be suffering financially or spiritually. We've got everything we need to be successful, but there are people um, in positions of power in and outside of government are profiting on misery. And so my first step was to write this book and let people understand, okay, the political things that we started out with in the civil rights movement, be black, white, orange, whatever you are, um, have been um, conflated and turned to something that's against us. So we've got a lot of problems in Baltimore. Let's try to fix them. What do you think the problem is? Um, it's complicated, but the bottom line is the top of the people, the people at the top of the food chain just don't seem to be interested in helping folks. I mean, let me give you the example of gentrification. So I was there, I get there often, brand new buildings boarded up in, you know, Fells Point in that area. Why are these buildings boarded up? Well, the people who own these private buildings don't want people living in there. They use federal funds to um, build a building, but yet when it's time to move people in, come up with excuses. Well, the deal is they want to gentrify. They want to move the, pe- the poor people out of the city and move in $3,000 a month yuppies into uh, these apartments. They make a lot of money and they are in a position where they can afford to uh, take that hit and then they'll make them up on the back end. But the bottom line is the poor people have nowhere, nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happened in DC. Uh, if you ever been to Anacostia, uh, yeah, you gotta, I mean, it just made that to, that's where the poor people live. And, um, you know, personally, I think the city should be available for everyone. And if you're poor, you shouldn't have to move out of the city if you don't want to. And um, just a lot of things that I've seen. Well, on the let, let's get into that in a second. I, you, I don't want to lose this thought about the discrimination aspect. Okay. Do you think Baltimore has a, a big problem with discrimination? Oh, very much so. Okay. And it's not just white to black. It's black to white. The thing is that people trust each other. And back to your smiling cards that I passed out myself, you know, it disarms people when you give them one of those cards and just give them a smile and let them know that you're not looking to take anything away from them. Hey, I'm just a human being just like you. And um, I want you to do well and I want to do well and we can exist in this space together. So I consider that to be a conservative message and some people don't see it that way. We shouldn't always be trying to make money off each other. And um, no, I probably don't sound like a conservative, but I just want things to be normal. I want people, the kids to be able to go to school. I want people to, I want to look at the, the, uh, the Baltimore Sun and not see a death uh, recorded the night before. As a matter of fact, um, last um, the last homicide of 2022, was a seven-year-old boy that got shot by a 19-year-old boy on New Year's Eve uh, about five o'clock that evening. Next mm-hmm. morning, four o'clock in the morning, the first uh, homicide of the year, 2023, double homicide. And um, at four o'clock in the morning, back on black crime. And we've all got a part in this because we're all Americans and we shouldn't 
see, and we shouldn't see our fellow Americans suffering and, uh, and do nothing about it. So I left my position where I was working in the federal government and I feel like I can do a lot better. I can do more for the community on the outside than I can do in. And after 35 years, 34 years, it was time to make a change. So I don't feel like we're really, we certainly aren't going to have time to finish a conversation about discrimination, but I would like to go a little further into that topic is, uh, so I think we both agree that the higher the ignorance factor, the higher the discrimination factor. Because, because ignorance is fear and uh, fear of differences. And it's also you not feeling like you're enough. So you have to make yourself bigger and better at the expense of others because you're not enough. And so, you know, the Keep Smiling movement is about mental health uh, and dental wellness, but mental wellness is that we accept each other because we're all gifts to each other. It's, a, it's, yeah. it's amazing what you and I have accomplished, and it has been about seven months, Bernie. But can you imagine, and, and I don't think it was the military for us. I think it was us traveling. I think it was us seeing the world that seeing helped us world. understand because I think the cure to discrimination is travel. I agree. I agree. And um, uh, so what I want to go to with this is one, if discrimination was not in existence in Baltimore, I'm guessing we'd have more community. And then number two is how would you create that solution for removing or reducing discrimination at a really big level? Well, the first thing we got to do is get rid of this crime. People are afraid to come outside. They're afraid to let their children play outside. Um, the kids that do play outside are playing in the streets. Uh, we've reduced a lot of the programs that, you know, allowed kids to play sports, that sort of thing. And just this seems a lot that once you play past that Patapsco River heading north, people just seem to have this sense of fear, uh, the tension there. You can't put your hand on it. Okay, and, so I get um, that that's where what we have to do. do you, I know I, I would vote for you for mayor of the city. I would because I know I know you're a no nonsense person. You you're not afraid of ruffling a couple feathers to get the solutions in place. And you we'll talk about that a little bit in the second part and about your book a little more. But I wanted to just address this because it's such a big topic here. How I know that you the crime is an issue. But how do you how do you change it? How how would you? I I know that your background is being at the Pentagon, being the government, and being a leader in the Air Force. Those aren't necessarily the right skills or the wrong skills for doing this job. How would you approach changing well, discrimination and the well, not well, discrimination through I guess crime? Go ahead. First of all, grassroots. I mean. Yeah, I know people in the city that never see their leaders and then the, you know, the city council people, those sorts of folks, the, I, you might call them aldermen or whatever. Um, they're not readily accessible to folks, to the people who live there. And, um, you know, that's one thing. Uh, the, the, the schools, uh, some of the worst schools in the, in the entire state, but we spend the most amount of money $22,000 per student. And um, that has to change. Um, we got a lot of people who work in the city in various in, uh, environments. What should, what, what should it be? What do you mean? 
Well, you bring up a number. So anytime someone brings up a number to me, I, I don't know what that number means in context to what would be the ideal number. What would the ideal number be? Are you talking about the cost for student? Yeah, cost per student, cost per prisoner, cost per uh, teacher, cost per anything. Just t- tell me what what numbers do you think would work better. I don't think that needs to change. I just think it needs to be allocated better. Okay, you know, yeah. I, there's a thing called uh, school choice. Hmm. So imagine, you know, if you had uh, the parents that were living in a specific area and their kids were designated to go to a specific school, but that specific school was failing with crime and drugs and they had the opportunity to send their kids to another school. Perfect. Uh, we got we to go to break in a minute. I, I want to say that was a great, that's a great hook for us to come back to. I love that Bernie, because that is a fear that any parent that loves their child and every parent that puts their child in school, that is their gift. That's the gift yeah. they brought to the world. And some teachers, when they see a problem child, they don't understand that kid, the parents are doing the best they can. And yeah. there's not any excuses about it. There's just not enough solutions. And I, I want to say that when you don't have that choice, you're actually putting your kid into a program that's going to turn them to be another statistic. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's awesome. I wanted to give a chance for you to share uh, a shout out to your kids and your wife. You've been married just a bit. So why don't you uh, spin that back to your family real quick and let's give a shout out. Well, my wife, uh, 35 years, Carolyn Flowers. We've been, it'll be 35 years on the 14th of January. I'm sorry, 14th of February, Valentine's Day. Nice. um, She will, you know, you've met CJ before. That's what I call her. My son, John, and my daughter, Hillary, my son, Manny, and my granddaughter, Violet. So I'm hoping they will all hear this and I love them. Well, they will hear it because you're going to tell them they're in the show. Well, you know, I love your wife, even though I don't know her that well, because of who she is for you. And also you said when you were going to do the book, I need to bounce off my wife. And, and you came back with, we're thumbs up. And I just love the fact that you guys are partners. And I love the fact that she wants you to be a leader and make a difference. So that's awesome. Got to compromise. This <laughs> well, um, there's so much more we, we we're going to be talking about in the second segment. Uh, why don't you hold your book up real quick and how can people follow you? Well, um, I'm working on a website, BernieFlores.com. Right now, it says that I'm ready for Congress, but it changed very soon. So it'll be there to, you can buy the book from there. Also, Amazon.com. You can go in there, type in Bernie Flowers, and uh, oh, there, there you go. You were ready. There it is. I'm right there. Can you see it okay? Right up. And we got several five-star reviews, I think eight ratings so far. It's only yep. been out for about a month, so... But the bottom line is I'm very, very proud of it. And uh, the people that have read it like more. Well, and the, the other thing, Bernie, this was only a, a meeting of two people seven months ago, uh, roughly three months yeah. ago, you started writing the book and we're going to talk about why you wrote the book and what your purpose is. And I do want to take a little deeper dive into completing what you did with this because you did a, an amazing job with that as well. So this is Ken Rashan on Amplified Voice America. Big shout out and love to Robert Cellino and to Jeff Spinard, um, who looks down upon us, and Perfect Publishing, who is creating books that impact the world. And this gentleman we have on today, Bernie Flowers, is worthy of support, love, and anything you can do to connect him to solutions in Baltimore City. And I do believe that he is one of the bigger advocates for this, uh, the Key Smiling Card. So I appreciate him so much. Uh, we have uh, the Umbrella Syndicate. 
And I'm going to give a little shout out to my son today who got a letter from the president. And this is a book about America. And since Bernie Flowers is all about serving and being a leader in America, I want to make sure I had his book handy. So we'll be back in about two minutes. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. Well, welcome back. And thank you for listening in on Amplified, on Voice America Influencer Channel. I'm Ken Rashan. And I care deeply about attracting, supporting, and amplifying the goodness of people like Bernie Flowers, who is our guest today. I do have a little show and tell real quick. I showed uh, my son's book that got a letter from the president. Uh, I showed during the break that we just had Bernardo Moya, and his book just came out in Spanish. Gorgeous book. Phenomenal book. Um, He really put his heart in this book. I, I love it so much. And I actually have the Spanish copy with the intention of reading it in Spanish, even though my Spanish needs a lot of work. My son uh, has a, a, a mantra that is called the bottom line that he memorized in English. And we are working diligently, Bernard, uh, Bernie, to get this in Spanish and French. So this is my newest book. It's the 40th book, Mantras, wow. Millionaire, Magical Mindset. And I want to read this to you because this, this right here, 
the first mantra is called the bottom line. And I want to read this to you for two reasons. One is to kind of brag a little bit that my son learned it and he can say it without looking at this. He can do it on cue. The number two reason I want to read it to you is because I was a teacher in PG County and PG County is not that different than Baltimore City with regard to challenges. And I was a teacher in PG County. They had 850 new teachers that year because that's how much they go through a year. I don't know if it's normal now, but back then when I was teaching in the 90s, 850 new teachers in one year, that's outrageous in the public school system. That says a lot about how much that system is broken because you don't you keep teachers when teachers love being there. You lose them when they don't. And it's just real simple logic. So I didn't want my kids making excuses for why they were going to fail. And uh, to be very clear, the minority was the majority. In other yeah. words, I was, I, was one, I was one of the few that was this color skin. And right. I worked for a gentleman named Kevin Sawyer, who I'll share briefly in the, in the Black History Birthday book, um, that he's just one of the people I admire so much for what he was doing in that school system. That's why I chose to work for him. But I'm going to read this to you really quickly. And Bernie, I'm reading this to you for a couple of reasons. One is because I think it's got a lot of value. Two, my son learned it and he's become a better person. And three, it might be a solution to how kids and even possibly adults embrace this message and make Baltimore better. So here we go. The bottom line, face it, nobody owes you a living. What you achieve or fail to achieve in your lifetime is directly related to what you do or fail to do. No one chooses his parent or childhood, but you can choose your own direction. Everyone has problems and obstacles to overcome, but that too is relative to each individual. Nothing is carved in stone. You can change anything in your life if you want to badly enough. Excuses are for losers. Those who take responsibility for their actions are the real winners in life. Winners meet life challenges head on, knowing there are no guarantees and give it all they've got. And never think it's too late or too early to begin. Time plays no favorites and will act whether you will pass whether you act or not. Take control of your life, dare to dream and take risk. Compete. If you aren't willing to work for your goals, don't expect others to believe in yourself. My son can say that at that speed without looking down at the paper. And I had my students write that when they'd give me an excuse, when they say, hey, the dog ate my my lab work because I taught beginning physics and chemistry. And they told me the dog ate the lab work. I say, okay, go ahead and write the bottom line. And they'd say, oh, Mr. Roshan, my dog really did eat it. And I go, yeah, really write the bottom line. And they'd write it. And I found that out of my 150 students, I only had to have about four or five students write it. One time, maybe one of them wrote it twice, but after that, no one really made excuses anymore. Because excuses, um, yeah, you can you can listen to excuses all day of why things don't happen. And, and the reason I bring this up is because you're in a no excuse guy. When I asked you to do Dose of Hope, and I said you're the perfect person with the perfect message, and I can really market you better if you can share your story, how you bring hope to the world, how you bring hope to the world. You got right to it, and I was so impressed, Bernie, because not everyone has the diligence to say, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I just wanted to, on the air, I, I have not acknowledged you at this level privately, but I wanted to do it on the air because that really told me that you're the person I want to work with. You're the person I believe in because well, you say you're going to do something, you get it done. So I wanted to ask you to share what the experience was like to do this, but also what was left out of our first segment that you'd like to include that you put in here? Well, you know, um, the Dose of Hope book was an honor that you even asked me to do that. I didn't 
you know, I just figured me and you were just kind of palling around and we're two likewise souls, you know, and uh, you asked me to do that. And, um, you know, you're always busy. So as I remember, I think you gave it to me on a Friday and said, um, hey, I need to have this thing back in the next couple of days because I'm trying to publish and new world me. Because remember, I was maybe about a month out of working for the federal government. But the thing is that impressed me was, I believe in the words, deeds, not words. You know, a lot of people can talk, but if I give you my word, I'm going to do something. And I'm very, very judicious about that. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it or I'm going to try and, and, and generally succeed. But I have no problem telling people no, but I told you yes. So I stayed up till pretty much all night writing that because you were under a deadline. And um, I got a chance to say some cool things that I shared a story that uh, I probably hadn't even told my wife. And um, there's just some some in the heart kind of things about racism and all that sort of thing. And it just meant a lot to me that you even offered me the opportunity to do that. And you brought up some things that I'd forgotten about since I was, you know, a small kid. And uh, now it's published in your dose of hope book. And I hope it inspires people. Yeah, it will. And it will go out to 20 million people. And you are obviously encouraged to nominate some leaders, inspiring leaders at that, that are doing good things in Baltimore. So we can get more stories that there is hope in Baltimore. And I want to say something to our audience, because even though I put him under the gun for a a three-day turnaround, when you accept a nomination from someone that says they are inspiring, you get a free $72,000 gift certificate for publicity for two years, reaching 20 million people with your story. And you normally get 21 days. I had met Bernie and I said, Bernie, I, uh, I'm short a couple chapters and I can go to print like Monday and I'd love to go to print Monday. Would you please include, would you please move this from 21 days to getting it done Sunday and I'll put you in the book. And he says, sure, man, I'll, I'll make it happen. And he did. So wanted to, wanted to acknowledge you for that. And then the other thing I want to acknowledge you for is you may not have thought this was going to come out in the show, but I'm going to say it. Uh, when you decided you were going to do the book, um, I gave you, I gave you what I consider a discount because of how much I admire you. And it was still an investment, obviously. But you said, I don't need to sign the agreement. I can look in your eyes and tell that you're going to represent this message I have. And you extended your hand and you said a handshake will suffice. Now, I think we, I think we signed the agreement, but I could tell. You, that- you made me sign the agreement. <laughs> <laughs> but, but your handshake was enough for me. You're that kind of dude. Yeah, I'm but to be clear, when you pay uh, the person who's going to do the job in full, you didn't, me having you sign the agreement or you sign the agreement is just, it's not as necessary if everyone's going to do the job the way it's supposed to do it. Yeah. You know, I just, you got to trust people. Well, in other words, I didn't have you sign it to get money. I had it. I had you sign it because I wanted you to know what I was committed to. That's, that's my point. I was comfortable doing business with you well before there was any agreement or anything like that it was just two dudes trying to do the right thing and um you've introduced me to a lot of really really good people who think the same way and if you can surround yourself with good people you can cr- create a groundswell of good and and i think we've done that. i think we have uh, uh, we had our first commitment charm city incorporated meeting on saturday and um, there is a, a little cadre of angry do-gooders trying to fix the city and um, a lot of work to do. But, well, you know, you know, you know, my acknowledgement time, my gratitude time's coming in right now. So why don't you give a, why don't you give a shout out by name, the people um, that you have 
in the committee. And you can extend that if you wish, but just uh, be brief their name and what they're doing to help Baltimore. Well, there's Hoss Albert, who was my campaign manager. Um, he is kind of the executive director and he is, this is really kind of his vision. Of course, there's you and uh, you and I, and he met at one of the local restaurants just recently and just figured out we need to get this thing incorporated, get it legal, get some sponsors in and We're working towards that. Uh, we're not a 501c3, like, you know, just handing over money and, and raising money like a lot of organizations is. I think the, the proper term 527, and the way I understand it is, you know, we are a political organization dedicated to changing policy in Baltimore. And I think that a lot of the um, agencies that have been involved with uh, trying to fix Baltimore have not done that route. We're not trying to raise a bunch of money. We're trying to actually affect policy and get some people elected that are less interested in making money for themselves and more interested in changing Baltimore. Um, Blanca Tapahusco, she is a local community, community advocate. She's been on some of the local radio stations and TV stations, a Spanish speaker born in Guatemala. She's a wife with a couple of kids and a husband. She's just tired of the way the school system is and she's trying to make this thing go. Uh, there's a few other ones if we got time. Let, let's, say, let's say something real quick about Bianca. So she brought uh, to my attention about the grade, the grade alterations that were yeah. happening in Baltimore. And the reason I want to say this is these are people that aren't accepting the fact that the system is just pushing people through and that the system continues to be not only corrupt, but right. is encouraging corruption. Yeah. So yeah, they, there were something was, like 13,000 grades changed. Yeah. And um, there was an audit from the state and they published that audit, but it didn't get a lot of publicity. Um, another thing, as I remember, I think the term was um, the figure was twenty two million dollars missing because the way this thing works, the federal government sends money down to the state for each student. And, it, you know, there's an opportunity for greed and corruption and graft. And um, where did that money go? And then mm -hmm. in the meantime, you've got kids graduating who can't who are functional illiterates who can't even join the military um, because, you know, they haven't been properly trained. And so right. you're creating people who can't be good American citizens. And in order to have a, a good functioning uh, republic, democracy, whatever, the first thing you got to have is educated uh, constituents, educated citizens. Nobody, you know, we're not talking about master's degrees. We're not even talking about bachelor's degrees. Folks need to be able to read and then they need to have a, a curiosity about their government. And right now, our, our school systems, especially in Baltimore, are not producing those educated students. Well, so, let me cut in real quick, Bernie, because uh, I want to say that uh, racism, cr uh, criminal mindset is all programmed. We're not born with that. Exactly. So it's programmed through ignorance. It's, through, it's programmed with lack of opportunity. It's programmed by who you're surrounding yourself with. Yes. You're only as good as the five people you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. If everybody around yourself is in misery, you'll never know what success looks like. Right. So that's one of the reasons that going back to our earlier conversation, you and I wanted to see the world. You want to see what's around. And um, one of the things that impressed me years ago, I was in Germany. Can I use some curse words? This, this is Light, relevant here. Lightly. <laughs> so I'm a young captain working at Spangdalam Air Base, and I lived out on the economy in a place called Herfurst. 
And I'm that guy who on the weekends, if I've got free time, I'm out in the community. I want to see what's going on. I couldn't speak German, but I could tell when people were talking about me. So I'm in a hardware store picking up something. And um, this German guy walks up to me and he said, Auslander, Outlander. Okay. Now, where I come from, the N-word might have been used in Red Springs, North Carolina. And I would have had to just take it. But in Germany, I was considered an American. Hmm. Didn't matter what my background was, didn't matter what was my skin color, that German guy looked at me as an American soldier, an outlander. And to me, I considered that to be an upgrade. So with that said, we've just, you know, I would have never known that had I not lived in Germany for three years. Had I not, you know, altogether, I probably lived there about five years through TDYs, temporary duty. And uh, I've been all over the Far East and uh, some other places. But the point is that when we educate ourselves through formal education or by traveling, we broaden our uh, scope of personality. And a lot of people in the inner city never leave the inner city. So they don't know what they're capable of doing. That's correct. So let's talk about how you'd bring the world to Baltimore. Well, there's a lot of people trying to make things better. There's a lot of resources available. A lot of people don't know about these things. And, um, you know, uh, what we're doing with Commitment Charm City, you know, the Red Cross and all these sorts of, there's wonderful things happening, but here's the problem. Uh, did you know that Baltimore was 800 police officers down? So literally a lot of poor people are afraid to come outside. In some mm. areas, it's like the third world. So if you don't have police officers to protect you, uh, it might be a problem with, you know, you bring your kids outside, they're just trying to go to school, you know, they're interfacing with drug dealers and thugs of sorts. Uh, you got the squeegee boys, not necessarily the worst thing in the world. I'm going to try to explain that. You know, there's no economic opportunity or a very reduced economic opportunity in Baltimore. So a lot of these young people are uh, reduced to, you know, walking up to people in their cars and basically accosting them for money. They, you know, hey, we'll wash your car for, you know, wash your, your windshield while the, the, um, the, the light is red. And people don't like that. Nobody wants their car to be touched by someone who they don't know or, you know, some strange person walking up from the street. Um, well, the, so the, other, the other problem, Bernie, is as much as they have that hustle and they're trying to do a good thing, it sometimes is making the situation worse. I mean, you're in a rush and the the water's dirty, whatever. So yeah, I, I get it. We are down it's to different. probably about five minutes. So I do want to make sure we're diligent. You went to an event that uh, you got to see what I do. You got to see me speak. And I, and it was an event by J.R. Spear. This mm -hmm. is a book. And the reason I bring this up is I, I think that your answer to making Baltimore better is events. I think it is creating events where there is an access to masterminding. There's an access to mentorship. There's an access to, and we talked about this in the car the other day, or I was in the car. I don't know if you were in the car, but we talked about the protocol. Mm -hmm. What was that? Well, you got to, you got to, you got to jog my memory a little bit, man. I'm well, we were talking about a pocket, a book, like a range oh, book. Oh, pocket full of leadership. Yeah, but it wasn't a pocket full of leaders. It was a protocol book. It was. Um, yeah, well, the thing is, the concept was both of you and I have been military officers. I keep bringing that up. There's a certain way, a path for success. And a lot of young people, especially young males, are not exposed to that path for success. 
And perhaps, you know, maybe the two of us, we were talking about maybe writing a book together. It was, it was professional you know? protocol. It was professional, professional protocol. protocol. There you go. Because you had said, you'd said in the call, Bernie, sorry to interrupt, but you'd said in the call that people don't, uh, a lot of people that are having these challenges in Baltimore, they don't know how to even show up. They don't know how to yeah. be ready for an interview or an opportunity. And if you're not ready for it, guess what? It's going to pass you by. It'll pass you by. And there's little things that you do as a um, as a candidate for a job or whatever. These people that are hiring you nine times out of 10 are going to be from a different generation. So they're going to expect you to carry yourself in a certain way. And um, if you don't carry yourself in a certain way, you will be thinking, why did I not get that job? Mm-hmm. And these are little unwritten things that that I've learned and, and I've been exposed to that uh, the average person in uh, an economic, a lower economic situation would not be exposed to. And, um, you know, there's an opportunity to educate some people there. Hey, I'll fact, make a deal uh, for you. I'll make a deal for you. You know that um, the reason you and I got along right out of the gate and we got about five minutes. So I want to get to rapid fire very soon, but we got along really well because you could say something to me and I could relate to you and I could say something to you and you could relate to me. I just created this book and I did it because I'm in the sauna and you have a sauna at your house. I have to go to Lifetime to get mine. But I went in the sauna and I I didn't want to destroy books. So I made a book for the sauna and it's called Facts and Trivia for the Socially Smart Scene. And the socially smart scene can be Baltimore. I'm going to say this real quickly to you. Let every leader in Baltimore know that I will send an ebook and we should send your book too, okay? as an ebook to every single person and watch what happens when Baltimore reads more. Yeah, they lead, they'll lead more. You, you open up your aperture when you just simply read. Yes. And a lot of people haven't been taught that. So you ready for some uh, questions, rapid fire questions? Shoot, man. All right. Thank you. Uh, what book changed your life? Um, the Bible. Okay. Uh, what, reading. You read it often? Uh, yeah. I mean, actually the, i you know, yeah. Then, okay. Uh, short answer. Short answer. Oh, that was just yes. And then, what part of the Bible do you like the most? Um, I'm a big fan of the New Testament, but you have to read it in context all the way through. As a as short a, answer, what is your favorite part of the Bible? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Super. What is your What is your favorite book uh, that changed your life outside the Bible and the book you just wrote? War is a racket by General Smedley Butler. Um, uh, he good. was, we're good. we're good. We're good. Sorry. We got so many questions. Okay. That's why. All right. All right. I told you they were going to be go. quick. All right. What, what movie uh, inspires you? Uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, the what? original work. Good. What, uh, song gets you going? Cats in the cradle. Jim oh, Perch. that's a good one. Harry Chapin. Yeah. yeah um, who's someone you'd like to meet? You haven't met. Who's someone I'd like to meet? Um, I met your wife. How about that? Okay. If she's your better half, I should know her. You're right. Um, who, who is your hero? Superman. Superman. Yeah, what's, a quote, yes. what's a quote you live by? Deeds, not words. What is it? Deeds, not words. Deeds, not words. Um, what is your, who's your favorite politician? Ken, uh, Ron Paul. I think he is uh, as, as honest as it gets, you know, trying to do the right thing. Uh, what's, a, what's a question I didn't ask you like to be asked right now? Oh, man, I'm, I, my, I don't think that fast. I'm just okay, happy don't to worry. be here. 
just happy to be here. Okay. Um, I did have another question and it, it went blank for a second. So, um, oh, okay. What is the, what is your favorite, um, pastime? Favorite pastime is just entertaining. I love to have folks over and just sit back and, and shoot a fat typical Southerner, you know, and, uh, you've been over and we've imbibed a couple of times and that's what I enjoy doing. That's awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to us having lunch next week because I'll be back from Colorado Springs. Um, if you would like to meet briefly, I can't really drive to you. I know it's a whole mile over here, but I am, I'm out of your books and the book you signed to me, I've been looking for. I think my wife uh, cleaned the house while I was away and I got to find that oh. thing. But I, I want to take some of your books with me to Colorado Springs and I'll be happy to give you one of these gems if you uh, would be willing to head on over get a hug too. Oh, and then next week, that next week we'll go have lunch. And I know you want to go have lunch at that Ethiopian restaurant, but if you don't uh, mind, Kim. <laughs> anyway, Bernie, um, I love you so much. You're such a, a great friend. Uh, it's amazing how much we've grown and uh, made a difference in each other's life in such a short span of seven months. I want to thank team network. Team network was the event that we went to. Kurt Kowalski uh, put it together and he brings all these leaders and entrepreneurs together. So um, when you have an opportunity to go to an event and you have the choice of staying home, just remember, get out of your comfort zone, meet people, and you'll find that relationships, friendships, and maybe a spark that enlightens you that you could be a change in the world that you want to see. And I'm so proud of Bernie because the Key Smiling Movement started in 2015 for me. I got the card and I said, I want to create a movement. And the number one reason I wanted to create it was a city named Baltimore, Charm City. And we have a book coming out. And this book is Black Lives Matter. Uh, it was actually uh, Black History Year. And I want to show you a lovely man in here. His name is Bernie Flowers. And there he is right there. So he is July 9th. We'll be celebrating him on that day. But there's someone on every page we want to celebrate. If you know someone who is a leader that belongs in this book, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Stay amplified. We love you. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashan again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.